Welcome to this episode of Urban Legends, the ultimate podcast about urban legends. I am Charles Dickens' character, Pippin uh, Picklewaite, and with me today is local window cleaner, Neil Herbert. Oh, what larks, Pip. <laughs> Thanks, Gav. Uh, how you doing, Neil? How's the window cleaning game? Oh, bracket. Yeah. Oh, bracket. Are you yeah. um are you a reach and watch man or are you still on the ladders with the bucket and chamois? Well I thought unfortunately we've got to, you know, due to bloody Brussels getting involved Ugh. in the business, we had to start, you know, couldn't get up on the ladders no more. And I thought we were gonna get a you know we're gonna get back the whole to, industry. Uh, it's just, you know, climbing up like a like a chimpanzee up here. <laughs> a gorilla. Just climbing up the outside of the building with a chamois leather yeah. a bucket. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. so you're allowed to do that. Don't now. Don't even need no, the ladders. No, no, still got, still haven't, still haven't changed the laws. I still got to buy these overpriced hoses from. Ugh, bloody hell! Some European tech. Sooner we un- untangle ourselves from the best, better. horror, the horror. Uh, so is it, is it well, like the seventies films, Confessions of a Window Cleaner? Do you get your? I mean, yeah, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of similarities as you can imagine. You know? Yeah, yeah. You'll see, you'll see some things when you're clambering up the outside of a building. Do you have to hide, do you often have to hide under beds or in wardrobes when a husband unexpectedly comes home? Well, there's that, and there's a lot more, you know... Um, Peeping toms. Swanny whistles than you'd, uh, you'd imagine in your everyday life. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. sounds, sounds like a decent job. Apparently the swanny whistles are diget- diagetic or whatever they come. Whatever. <laughs> that uh, well... Someone Absolutely. on the ground will just see you and then just pull out a swanny whistle and just, you know, if you see something a bit saucy. Well, they're good. I believe that um, they were banned during our during our imprisonment by the EU as well, weren't they? Swanny whistles. Absolutely, yeah. So um, hopefully... Some so like, ill-founded rumour that they were made out of bits of swan. Yeah, oh, which were owned by the Queen anyway, so exactly. fuck off Brussels. Very much like the uh, Swiss... Swiss uh, version of having an army because they don't have a standing army. What they do is they give every man over a certain age a rifle and uh, uh, like a twelve bullets or something, and everyone has to you get you have to keep it in like a lockbox at your house in case they're invaded. That's what they have instead of an army. I'm hoping that in the UK every man will be given a swanny whistle. So that we can, so, yeah. we, can get back, we can get back to basics. Something occurs that needs to be, you know, hilariously pointed out. <laughs> they are very good for that, though. They are very, you know, I love a swanny whistle. Well, I think maybe its most famous implementation was that, you know, not enough James Bond movies have a swanny whistle now. I think you remember that that classic stunt in there. Which one was it? <laughs> Obviously, it was one of the Roger Moore ones. Roger Moore, yeah. um, Oh God! What's the? Um, I can't even remember what the movie was called now. But um, it's the one with the, the fat sheriff. No, it's one or two before. Oh, that's that. uh, Live and Let Die. I don't. It might be Live and Let Die. Actually, I can't. It is. Yeah, because that's down in the. Bar he was in two of them. Yeah, that must. Oh, be the fat that. sheriff. Yeah, yeah there's, there's basically there's this. Bit he was in View to a Kill or something as well, wasn't he? he went, hey, you're the secret agent guy. Yeah, 
Yeah, he's on like he's a, yeah, he was out in Thailand on holiday or something. Some kid was probably selling a, a yeah for for, for for unspecified reasons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I didn't get into that. Um, but yeah, no, he just does like that that car jump and then it sort of like does a does like a twist and then lands on the next bit. Yeah, that's level. So the best way to uh, to orchestrate that amazing stunt was to uh, use a sonic. Imagine being the stuntman on that, and you're like, you just nailed this, and you're like, you almost died. Yeah. So, so, so I assume there's going to be like a massive orchestral swell then, yeah? <laughs> like timpani, just wah, like going off. Yeah, we thought we'd go with a swanny whistle. <laughs> you know, it's the 70s, it's all a bit wacky. The good thing about a swanny whistle is it can, uh, it can produce the sound of saucy surprise I or, mean, or disappointment. And, you know, and especially if you have it with... You, you <laughs> have it's it with, ascending or descending, yeah. You have it with something like wilting, like a flower, like... Like that. But if I recall correctly, the scene in question, they use both the ascending and the descending, so very unusual use of both tropes of the Swanny Whistle. Well, you know, I would say they were years ahead of their time, weren't they, using it for using it for serious star stunts rather I'll, than saucy. I'll say this for the Swanny Whistle. Whilst rather, rather, than, rather than the sound effect metaphor of a penis becoming erect and unerect, which is what it's used for in every other circumstance. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I said. It's it's evocative in the right context, but rather limited in its application. So, uh, but hey, I do, I do want to see. I've not seen the new the, the the last Bond movie yet, so I'm hoping there's going to be a bit of Swanee Whistle in there. I'd hope so. I, I suspect not, but you never know. They might. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, when they get Idris Elba in, he'll insist on it. Oh yeah, you wouldn't argue with Idris, would you? No, would uh, uh, be and... a good call as well. Talking about Swanee whistles and and phallic interpretations of things, Neil. This week we're looking at the legend of the Mongolian death worm. Is it a mysterious little fella? Yeah. Right. So I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to. Do you know what? I'm not going to use Wikipedia this time because there's a lot mm. about it. Don't so yeah. So I'm going to read from LiveScience.com. Uh, you know, which puts me on edge because of, you know, science. I feel like they're going to be disparaging. But it's by a little fella called Benjamin Radford. So let's see yeah. what... Let's see let's what... See where he goes. Yeah, he's delightful, isn't he? Dancing around with his little symbols. <laughs> so, it sounds like a fantastic, lethal creature that may be found in the 1950s pulp science fiction novel brackets or sci-fi television movie close brackets didn't need to put that in more you know he's yeah he's delightful isn't he a uh, little referencing june yeah oh, his little tap shoes um <laughs> <laughs> oh he's like the jungle skittering up and down those stairs <laughs> some people believe that this large <laughs> This large, deadly worm-like creature called the Mongolian deathworm exists in the Gobi Desert. Mm. My uh, my second favourite desert. Yeah, what's your top desert? Sahara, Sahara. isn't it? Yeah, classic. Classic. Uh, <laughs> you can't you can't beat the classics? Oh, can't beat them. Yeah, come on. You know, it's got all the dunes and that. That's what we all think of. Uh, according to British biologist Carl Shuker. That's weird, he's got the same surname as Tupac. Mm. Uh, in his book, maybe it is Tupac. Maybe he didn't die and he became... Yeah. Um, 
started to become a, a, a British biologist instead. Yeah. Like un- so, uh, according to Tupac Shakur in his book, The Unexplained and Illustrated Guide to the World's Most Paranormal Mysteries, 2002 Metro Books. One of the world's most sensational creatures may be concealed amid the stands of the southern Gobi Desert. It's said to resemble a large, fat worm up to one metre, three foot long, and dark red in colour. With spike-like projections at both ends, <laughs> spends much of its time hidden beneath the desert sands, but whenever one is spotting lying on the surface, it is scrupulously avoided by the locals. So... First things first. Doesn't sound that big. <laughs> a meter. No, when you, when you mentioned the Mongolian deathworm, I, I thought it was going to be some pictures. Yeah, tremors. I was, I was, yeah, exactly. I was very much picturing the gravels from tremors, sort of like you know something fifty foot long. Yeah. Um, or, or you know, um, sandworms from June. But yeah. does this make it more realistic? The fact that it's not bombastic. Well, that's maybe. true. Yeah. If it was if it was big enough for um, yeah, Paul Atreides to hitch a ride, it's probably you would have spotted yeah, it, it a bit more the, often. If it was the size of say New York. London Underground, <laughs> <laughs> if it was the size of say Mars, it would interfere now. gravitationally with the rest of the planet. So yeah, that's, that's that feels <laughs> intrinsically unrealistic. Or is it? Or maybe a vortex is balancing it? Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so according to the legend the dreaded mongolian death worm which local people call and here we go uh olgoi uh korkoi uh or loosely translated large intestine worm <laughs> is, that, is that local death worm translated local, intest- local intestine worm so yeah, okay. So, that, so, so their frame of so their frame of reference for worms is intestinal worms. Lovely. Uh, he has uh, it has lived up to its name. It can kill in several fearsome ways. Neil, would you like oh. to guess some of these ways? Could oh, and remember, um, it can't handle a gun. Oh right, okay. Can it? That's cool like you're stumped. Can it cool down a really localized nuclear strike like in Civ Four? <laughs> only like four squares of the map it can it can it... that's not <laughs> that's not one of the ones it's oh, been one of six the... hours waiting to you know drop one on Gandhi because <laughs> he kept nagging at me so wait this time I've invented rock and roll you're getting a nuclear bomb <laughs> wow. one comes after the other yeah no, uh, no. so it uh, its ways of killing include spitting. Oh, wait, wait, let, let, let me guess some other ones then. Okay, so right. it's not, not nuclear nuclear weaponry. Um, could not a sp- nuclear weaponry based on the mechanic, the the um, learning tree mechanics of Civ Four. Yeah. No, <laughs> can it um, spit poison in your eye? Something like that. Ooh, so okay. it yeah. it uh, it can spit a stream. Big, it? So it couldn't swallow you. Well, don't know. Apparently, yeah. the the locos can. And they're that's only true, little, actually, aren't they? yeah. Just to stand their jaw. Got to remember, got to remember, it's a worm, so it's got no bones. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, not. Bower. It's not as I constantly curse to the gods about being restricted by having a skeleton. It doesn't have that restriction. Cage. Yeah. Lucky, lucky bastard. Um, 
So it's a spits a stream of corrosive venom that is lethal to anything it hits. And if that doesn't do the trick, it's said to be able to electrocute victims from a distance. <laughs> oh, good. It's got some electrical like, action going on as well. Oh, you can uh, electrocute from a distance. You shoot lightning at you, like a shoot lightning, Lord yeah. Thunder. Yeah. I've got rain like Thor. <laughs> yeah. well, they did that um, that Loki series. I don't know if you saw it, but there was like loads yes. of different versions of Loki, like an alligator Loki. So this sounds like a trick, and this is like a worm Thor. Maybe. But I think yeah. this is this legend's older. The, the worm god of thunder. Than the, the twenty twenty one series Loki on Marvel <laughs> yeah, TV. The, the recent Marvel series, yeah. Fair enough. Uh recently well rarely seen and never photographed. It was well this it's pretty um there's not it's it's not a heavily populated area, the Mongolian plateau and the Gobi Desert, is it? It's and they also are nomadic. Yeah, I'm assuming around that area it's nomadic. I mean, there's not all of Mongolia, presumably, is. Um, all of it is. Is it? All, is of, it? It, what, all of the people Even the capital nomadic. cities, like on legs, like some sort of steampunk thing. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Like, like a game I played once where they, you know, moving to walk around. Yeah. It's convenient, isn't it? Very yeah. Much. Steampunk for you, Chris. You know my feelings about steampunk. You love it as much as I do? Over engineered nonsense. No, I think. Imagine it... the maintenance. Well, well, you know, there's a lot of maintenance with everything, isn't there? Well, imagine if it was a building <laughs> that had legs and they could walk to places. Wouldn't need to go around so much then, would you? The kids just come to you. Well, right, still yeah, I mean, how do you decide where to go? It doesn't matter. Um, well, I mean, there is an argument to be set, you know, would you use more coal uh, and, you know, more engineering in having a walking city than you would having a city which ha- where everyone individually had to heat their homes in the sun- in the winter, whereas if you just follow the the temperate weather, you don't have to have every house have an individual heating element. So, what uses more, Neil? What uses more? They could be solar powered then as well. So there you go. That's not steampunk. Oh right, yeah. Sorry, got to have a little chimney, isn't it? <laughs> have a little chimney. And a little railway. A little railway. Toot toot. <laughs> Little magnifying Jack Skellington riding the riding the railway with some goggles on his top hat. Exactly. Got to you know have replacement limbs with um, you know, monkey wrenches, <laughs> steam powered monkey wrench, something like that. Uh, of so, a huh? A fork in place of a thumb. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Basically, you know, Inspector Gadget, but um, with a chimney. <laughs> That's so, but you know, it electrocutes its victims from a distance, so that's pretty. That's pretty, hardcore. I like that's that. pretty hardcore. So, rarely seen and never photographed. It was mentioned in the 1926 book by paleontologist Roy Chapman Andrews, who mm. didn't believe in existence but noted the stories of it circulated in Mongolia. Okay, this bit's called Seeking the Death Worm. Nice. Despite, or perhaps because of, the creature's fearsome name, they don't call it the Mongolian happiest worm, after all. Oh, don't start... Look, just... Benjamin, just... He's just having a bit of fun. No, he's yeah, just, but he should, he should stick to his, you know, his little organ. He's just a little pirouette. It was his, little, his little... His, his little accordion that he dances with. He's on his head little, little, little hat on. Um, 
Many intrepid explorers have set out into the Gobi Desert seeking the beast. Numerous organised expeditions and searches have been made over the years by both independent researchers and in conjunction with television shows. Despite extensive... So, hang on a second, Chris. You say mm. independent researchers. Do you mean that no August bodies of science have funded these expeditions? Yeah, but, I mean, that doesn't mean anything, does it? No. What does They're that mean? for the mainstream stuff, aren't they? Oh, it's boring. Yeah, you know, cancer all that. Yeah, but you know, find a Mongolian deathworm. Yeah, but they're not into cryptozoology, are they? Because um, essentially, they have to be all fake. Because because their funds have to be auditable to their donors. (laughs) You know, they can't go. Oh, we went to go and look for the chupacabra. It costs jolly. (laughs) It costs hundred and fifty grand. Can't do that. Yeah, or independently find it. And the good thing about independently researching it as well is you don't have all that politicking going on. No, exactly. People trying to get tenure. Needing to provide evidence and stuff. You know, people trying to get into, you know, Alpha, Gamma, Omega or whatever. It's just ego, isn't it? Locker room stuff. It's all, yeah, it's all locker room stuff. (laughs) Slapping each other's asses, whatever. Um. So despite the extensive searches, eyewitness interviews and even setting traps for the beast all have come back empty-handed. Many of those who believe in the creature's existence, uh, who believe in the creature's existence, acknowledge that there's no hard evidence, but instead believe that the legends and the stories of them must have some basis in historical truth. The descriptions, mostly second and third hand stories from different places and times, are too similar, they believe, to be anything but independent eyewitness reports. Eye in the sky. From a folkloric perspective, however, this is simply a sign that legends and stories of a death were may have spread through the region, as commonly happens through trade and travel. Many people around the world can offer very similar descriptions of dragons, leprechauns, mermaids, and other fantastic, presumably non-existent creatures. Sorry, where around the and world... leprechauns don't exist. Well, yeah, I mean, there's that. I'm not having that. And, um, and to, there's movie proof with Warwick Davis. And to be, to be fair, that's disrespectful to a group of, group of people who are... Um, very well respected in the Republic of Ireland, the leprechaun. Mm. You know. That's a part, but what part I don't, for their rights to the leprechaun community. So many people around the world can offer similar descriptions of leprechauns. Where else are there leprechauns? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think that is, is very much endemic to Ireland. It's a very yeah. much one place in the world that they say it. Dragons are all over in fairness. Yeah, dragons, fine, because they find dinosaur bones everywhere. I mean, dragons probably yeah. exist. Um, so, and other fantastic, presumably non-existent creatures, not from personal experience, but from hearing about them from others. So, is there a real animal behind the stories and legends? It seems doubtful. Compared to the North American Bigfoot or the Himalayan Yeti, uh, for which there are dozens or hundreds of alleged footprints, photographs, for example, there's virtually no evidence of its existence. Yeah, but again... It's in the Gobi Desert. And, and it lives underground. Tracks, is it? Yeah. <laughs> this guy. Oh, what's he like? He should stick... Well, you want a footprint? He should uh, stick to doing his Deadpool. little diving act off that little, you know, 10-foot-high diving board that he does into yeah. the wash tub. <laughs> That's um, good, that. It's good, isn't it? He comes out with yeah. all his fur wet. Yeah. 
<laughs> considering shaking it, shaking it off. Um, considering also that no live or dead ones have been found, every other creature known to exist has left behind a dead body or a skeleton. But again, it's a worm, so it doesn't have a skeleton. They've only, they've only found one dead, dead Bigfoot, and it was in two um, Grifter's fridge freezer. That wasn't terribly... Which was... It wasn't terribly convincing. It was, a, it was a bear with a mask on. Yeah. In fact, the goby would likely preserve carcasses of the animal due to the relative it's lack of predators. It looks. And hot desert winds that slow decompression... Uh, decomposition, sorry. But again, it's a worm. Mm. Uh, Maybe it can change into different creatures. Well, I mean, the thing is, I'm fa- fair enough. You're sceptical, but I mean, the things that he's being sceptical about are things that could easily be explained away. So he's not mm. doing his he's not doing his case any justice. Uh, so inhabitants of the Gobi and like, I mean, how long do you think like in a desert with hot winds and you know, even if you don't have loads of predators around, like dogs or whatever, you know, there are still predators, birds and stuff, and also. I mean, how long do you think it would take a worm to decompose? A couple of days? You know, it's, you and it's a, it's a huge desert. Inhabitants of the Gobi are aware of the global interest in their mystery monster, as well as offer rich rewards for one of the creatures, live or dead, and if one was found, it would surely come to life. Well, they're not capitalists. They're not capitalists. They're nomads. I'm not sure there is a great demand for the dead Mongolian <laughs> death worm either, to be honest with you. Yeah, what's the, yeah. It's, it's, it's a very lucrative industry. <laughs> what are you going to do with it? Unless it turns out it makes oil or something. <laughs> then we'll go and invade Mongolia on a spurious pretext. Bomb them out of existence. And you've got to free the death worms. Legends and evidence, Neil. A zoological perspective may help us to sort fact from fiction in the legend of the Mongolian death worm. First of all, we should not be misled by the worm in its name. That's an English translation, guy. The creature, if it exists in the inhospitable Gobi Desert, could not be a soft, fleshy worm. Instead, it's likely to be a type of snake or legless lizard. He's basing this on nothing. Uh, this also means it would be a vertebrate animal with a spine that would presumably be found by searchers. He's just backfilling stuff. He's got no evidence for any of this. Well, maybe maybe it's based on the local um, local animals. I don't know. Maybe that's what you would need to be able to glide through the sand. A variety of explanations have been offered for the animal, including perhaps a misidentification of a new species of snake. <laughs> snake that can shoot lightning? I don't think so, mate. The consensus amongst researchers, such as Tupac Shakur and author Richard Freeman, is that the Mongolian death worm likely does not exist, and belief in it is instead based upon sightings of either a type of limbless reptile known as a worm lizard, which resembles a large worm that burrows underground and can reach several feet in length, or a type of sandboa snake. Well, who Patrick Shagor says it, and I'm, I'm, you know... Oh, yeah, if he says it. Of course, not all the characteristics of the worm, lizard or sandboa are a perfect match for the death worm. For example, terrestrial snakes can't deliver lethal electric shock, the way that electric eels, which are actually fish, not eel, for example, can. Uh, but what? Electric eels, which are actually fish, not eels. But eels are a type of fish. This guy's, he's getting a muddle here. 
eels are a type of fish. For that matter, several venomous snakes, primarily cobras and vipers, can spit poison, which, although not acidic, can certainly cause harm and blindness. Yet these reputed characteristics are based not on hard data, but myths and stories. Some accounts of the death worm even claim that its venomous spittle can corrode metal instantly, which is physically impossible. With allowances made for the exaggerations, found in rumour, legend and folklore, the worm lizard or sandsake seems a likely candidate. It's, of course, possible that the Mongolian death worm exists. Of course, there would have to be more than one of them to say what biologists call breeding population, likely tens or hundreds of thousands of them. Perhaps next week, next month or next year, such a bizarre creature will be found and examined by scientists. Until then, it seems likely that Roy Chapman Andrews' assessment nearly a century ago was correct. The creature's merely a legend. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, here we, here we go. Here we go. Benjamin Radford is deputy editor of the Skeptical Inquirer Science magazine. Ugh. He's the bad science columnist for live science. So he's coming there with an attitude. Yeah. Not one I like He's got a closed mind. Little, He's bigoted against Mongolian death worms. So what are you thinking so far, Neil? I think he's working for um, <laughs> as, 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 as Uzbekistan <laughs> carbon fish industry. So um, um, we got we got yeah. some more stuff here. So we got one on cryptids.fandom.com, which is, to be fair, a much more even-handed. Um, I mean, this is always resource. a thing with zoology, isn't it? Is because you know, um, well, I haven't seen it. Um, um, yeah, but you, you know, you don't know. Some, as that wise man said in Harry and the Hendersons, have you ever seen a baby pigeon? Yes. Yeah, there you go. That, that was, was, yeah, that, pigeons. Are, my my mum had some pigeons. That would have stumped him, because that was his big thing. <laughs> like, oh, well, have you ever seen they exist? What, baby pigeons? Mm. Well, because pigeons exist, and therefore you'd have to, obviously. No, but I mean, every, uh, but, but that's a really weird... I mean, I'm pigeons sure are like, in either Harry and the Hendersons, one of those films, somebody could go, well, I haven't. Well, I've never, nobody's ever seen it yet. Have you ever seen a baby pigeon? Yes. Yes, yeah. pigeons nested I, on I my mum's balcony. Baby pigeon. Yeah, they nested on my mum's balcony and they hatched some baby pigeons. Look, it wasn't a great argument. <laughs> <laughs> so, cryptids. So let's see what they've got to say. Uh, so the Mongolian death worm, native name, Olgoi Kudakoi which means intestine worm, due to its red blood-like colour and size, which is the size of an intestine. It has been described by many to be uh, between two and seven feet long, to have the ability to spit out corrosive yellow saliva and to generate blasts of electricity. We know all this. However, the latter power is thought to be, uh, is thought of as being folkloric by the nomads of the Gobi. Western culture comes to call it the Mongolian death worm. So it's believed to be a giant worm and it covers its prey with an acidic substance that turns everything a corroded yellow colour. And then the legend says that the creature begins to attack. It raises half of its body out of the sand and starts to inflate. What? Oh, okay. Until it uh, starts to inflate, until it explodes. What? So I've got to go through. Mongolian nomads believe that... 
believe that the giant worm covers its prey with an acidic substance that turns it's everything into corroded yellow sense. color. Legends say that as the creature begins to attack, it raises half its body out of the sand and starts to inflate until it explodes, releasing the lethal poison all over its unfortunate victim. The poison is so venomous that the prey dies instantly. Livestock and humans are supposed to be its main prey. It's an inefficient way of hunting, I would say. Giving <laughs> yourself as the... Um... Suicide bomb. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. I guess maybe if one of them does, the rest of the pack can feed afterwards. Maybe. Because Mongolia had been under Soviet control until 1990, very little was known about the death worm in the West. In recent years, investigators have been able to look for evidence of the creature's existence. Ivan Makiri, or, oh no, uh, I think it's just Ivan uh, Mackel, one of the leading Loch Ness monster detectives. Oh, well, that's just sign of quality. Studied the region and interviewed many Mongolian people about... Sorry, no, we've got got to pause. No, sorry, Chris, we've got to pause there. Mm -hmm. What what differentiates a leading Nessie hunter from a crap Nessie hunter? Um, I think it would be... Neither of them um, have found Nessie. And they know where to look in the Loch Ness. But I think it would be someone who can afford to spend more time doing it. Yeah. Perhaps is better at grifting investment. <laughs> I'm, I'm sceptical about that. Um, so, due to the sheer volume of sightings and strange deaths, he came to the conclusion, unsurprisingly, that he came to the conclusion that it was more than just, it's more than just a legend. <laughs> Nobody is entirely sure what the worm is. Experts are certain it's not a real worm because the Gobi Desert is too hard, uh, not too hard, it's too hot an area for an annelid to survive. Some have suggested it might be a skink, but they have little legs and scaly skin, whereas witness accounts specify the worm is limbless and smooth-bodied. The most probable explanation is that the death worm is a new species of uh, Amphibonea, or worm lizards, a group of burrowing reptiles. Although native Mongolian people are convinced of the death worm's nature, it will take many more years of research to satisfy the rest of the world's scientific community. In 2005, uh, an expedition from the centre of uh, 14 zoology crossed a 1,000 miles of Gobi on the track of a death worm. They concluded it was probably a large, unknown type of worm lizard, and the powers attributed to it were apocryphal. So, in entertainment, the main antagonists in the Tremors series called Graboids were based upon the Death Worm. Really? There you go, yeah. The Death Worm did make an appearance on Lost Tapes when a pack of Death Worm attacked a couple of ATV riders who were stranded in the Mongolian desert. In the 2010 sci-fi original movie, Mongolian They've made a movie about this premise, haven't they? I've seen this. Yeah. Yeah. I seen the the worms done. are seen as gigantic slug-like creatures with extendable jaws and an ability to climb wall. The worms in this movie don't have the ability to shock or spit acid, unlike the traditional legend says. And in the popular game, Ark Survival Evolved, as part of the Scorched Earth DLC, they add the death worm, who is a huge worm taller than a T-Rex with leg-like appendages by the mouth and is able to bite and claw. So, the background, it says, type, worm, first sighting, 1,000 years ago, last mm-hmm. sighting, unknown. 
country, Mongolia, Middle East, Asia, North Africa. Uh, population small, habitat, underground deserts. And we go, baby. So, what are you thinking so far? I'm primarily thinking it's probably all bullshit, but <laughs> there's, I mean, it's possible that there might, I mean, obviously it sounds like you couldn't have a worm-like creature out in that environment. I think that's been stated a couple of times now, so that sort of makes sense. If it's too hot and dry, you just, yeah, just dump me. Um, I can imagine there'd be like some bigger snakes that you might, you know, give rise to some sort of um, legend. Um, I mean, I think the thing is, its characteristics are ones that you That's would fabulous. Yeah, I mean, I, I love, I love the story. I love the fact that it can spit out acid and fire lightning from sort of, you know, quite away, and 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 then apparently comes out and explodes acid all over you, like some like well, that's, up we've heard that aliens. Once. So that's great, but it doesn't sound like um, any of the kind of like actual sightings or anything concord with this. But what but, I would say to you know just to just to to give people an idea because not everyone might know how big the Gobi Desert is. It's one point two nine five square kilometer uh, million square kilometers. So one point two nine five million kilometers squared. So that's that's a big old area to be finding a three-foot worm, isn't it? Yeah. Of mainly uninhabited areas. Yeah, but if you're, you know, if they kind of, if, if we're saying that there's, there's been quite a few sightings by the, the local populace, then yeah. you'd think you'd knock up those ones in the way. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Look, I'll say this much. It'd be good fun if you did find one, wouldn't it? Would it? One in the eye for the establishment. Oh, Still right. Well, you just... smoke it. Yeah, you'd be like, yeah, told you. <laughs> What's this then? Eh? <laughs> so you're mainly you'd like mainly to find it for sort of some kind of political political yeah, reason. twisted eg- egotism. <laughs> like, yeah, you doubted me. Have a look at this. <laughs> right. Plus I'm you know I'm going to use to sort of power electric cars. <laughs> Generate its own electricity, that could come in handy. Um so I think that Let's have a look at this. I think basically we've got the gist of what it is. I don't think there's going to be... I mean, a lot of different people have written about it. Um, In a film which looks like they just like the title Mongolian Death Women didn't yeah. really care about any of the substance. But... Um, yeah, I mean the Gobi. De- I mean it says here Gobi Desert's vast region that spans a territory of five hundred thousand square miles of rough terrain, making the existence of undiscovered animal species very likely. And I agree with that. No, it's no, one absolutely. of the, it's, it's one of the most remote areas on Earth, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's entirely possible that there are five foot undiscovered um, snake-like creatures knocking about, but um, well, ones that spit. Um, well, there are acid worms. There are worm. Oh, this, do you know what I might? So there, there's also against what they were previously we've read. Mm. There are worm species that have been known to live in sand instead of soil, like the giant beach worm in Australia. So, moreover, the worms in the worms in the circulatory system func- it's a worm circulatory system functions by absorbing oxygen through their skin and carrying it through their body, which allowed them to grow to large sizes. So it's less unlikely than 
you know, the naysayers have said biologically. I mean, obviously, the shooting lightning thing is unlikely biologically, but but that yeah, that's less likely that a worm could live in hot sand and stuff. Well, they do; they already do. So, um, so I think that really, um, with we're looking with at Wiki red... as well, and apparently in '83 they had a, a specimen of a Tartar sandboa, mm. which is like a like a big snake, basically. They showed it to some locals who'd seen the old guy, Korkoi, and they confirmed that that was the animal that they called the uh, the Mongolian death worm. Mm. Now, obviously, that was just a particular set of people, so it doesn't mean the whole, you know. But, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, look, it, you know, it's it's one of two things, isn't it? It feels to me it's possible that there's something that nobody's actually spotted other than locals. It's possible that they've mistaken a snake for something else. and You know, it, like hunter's tails, it's like the old fisherman's tails, isn't it? It's... It's gotten a bit more embellished in the telly, where it's since it's. I think it's unlikely that spitting that poison it, and. Yeah, I think it's unlikely it exists with what they're you know in the format which which they're saying. Um, you know, I think that's unlikely. But then I'm also, I'm also kind of slightly pushed in the other direction by people going, oh well, uh, well, I don't think it can exist, and here are the reasons why. And then you actually look at the reasons why, and you go, but animals do similar animals do exist in those circumstances so you've got a lot of people who are going well i reckon it's rubbish and that's fair enough you can think that but then when they try and put kind of science behind it then you look and their science is completely bullshit then it kind of then i'm then i'm more on the side of the locals at that point kind of thing do you know what i mean i'm kind of put off by that kind of stuff well, you know me. I'm 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 more than happy to support some unsubstantiated rumours if you can make a bit of profit out of it. So, if they <laughs> want to set up a theme park for Mongolian death worms or whatever, yeah, because it's involved, I'd be well up for it. Well, and on the original uh, version of the computer game theme park, the most popular ride was always the worm ride. There you go. And you make you just make loads of money on those. So. Um, yeah, exactly. So just set up, set up loads of them. One way Mongolian, Mongolian one barbecues. system. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Know, Mongolian death barbecue. Worm. Do some wrestling, Mongolian yeah. wrestling. Nice, beautiful. Um, have some Genghis Khan theme stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean yeah, I mean that was yeah, really, yeah, huge back in the day. The old uh, yeah, well apparently like, horde. isn't something like one in ten. People yeah, in the world meant to be his ancestor. Got some genetic he, relation to Genghis Khan. Because he got it around so much. He certainly did, yeah. So, Neil, let's have a little go through our system. So, Mongolian that was, was so successful because they had, you know, Mongolian death worms train them up and get them to attack their enemies. Flung them into, just like flung them into arch, cities. Mobile archery, yeah. Nobody could withstand. That was the secret sauce. <laughs> that, that, and the, you know, they use so tip, They tips the, the arrows bars. in the Mongolian death worm right. venom. Um, yeah, nice. So and then you had electrical arrows as well. <laughs> Maybe that was it. Yeah. They just fired electricity. Um, they had them like like over their shoulders, like bazookas. Um, yeah, the producers on the um, on that film should have been taking notes from this. Much better idea. Well, I mean, he's kind of involved. You know, I would imagine that with you know the the name of that film's probably 
already copyright's probably already gone on it, so we can always can always do a film called The Mongolian Death yeah, One. Yeah, I'm thinking to start with a pitch. <laughs> oh no. You know, and, and it's always interesting these cryptozoology ones. Um so no, you can go first with spookiness. Um, nothing intrinsically spooky about the um I mean it's this is one of the things with the, you know, urban legends can cut across different things, but um with the older the old, the old cryptids, they're not necessarily particularly spooky. Um I mean the idea that something could creep out of the desert and explode bile on you, or you sort of like start melting your face off. I imagine it'd be like something out of the end of that Indiana Jones first movie. Um, that, I suppose that's kind of spooky, but um, yeah, inherently there's, it's not a particularly spooky tale. So just because just, just of the spitting out electricity and acid, um, I'm going to give that a three. But uh, yeah. Three, okay. Um, I mean, I think seeing one, if if you did... Would be quite spooky, but you know, if it's got just a mouth which is a ring of fangs on the front and back, you know, like some of those, you know, the creatures that you see from like really deep undersea, and mm. uh, or like you see a close up of a leech's mouth or something, they're always quite yeah, spooky. Some... They're always quite spooky, aren't they? Or like the vampires, the really, really heavily whatever. magnified ones where you see something, yeah. Like, yeah. So they're always a bit spooky. Um, I don't know, like, I guess, you know, if they pop up suddenly out of the ground, then that'd be like, oh. So, you know, there's nothing supernatural about them. Um, I guess, you know, if if one did turn up, it'd probably, you know, shit you up quite a lot. Uh, not for, not for kind of, it would scare, it would frighten you, not for reasons of the, you know, other planes of existence, but for okay. reasons that it would be quite a scary thing to see, I reckon. Well, electrical so. sphincter is chasing after you. <laughs> electrical sphincter, teeth, teeth sphincter. Uh, so I'm going to give it a five. So believability, I'll go first for this one. Um, you know, I don't, is there a worm that shoots electricity? But I don't think the electricity stuff's right. Um, spitting out some kind of poison or acid, animals do do that. So that is realistic, I think. You know, that is something that happens in the animal kingdom. And I know electricity does with it, with, you know, eel, electric eels, but, um, you know, water helps with that because it conducts it. Um, but do I believe that there, there could be an unknown creature in the Gobi Desert which hasn't been found yet and which locals have said, yeah, we've seen it, but we don't believe exists because Western scientists who have spent two weeks in the half million square miles of the Gobi Desert haven't managed to find it. It's possible. It's very, you know, it's possible whether it is what they say or it's a new type of snake. You know, there's probably something there that explains it. Um, you know, it's more believable like than the Loch Ness monster or something. Put it that way. Yeah. So um, I'm going to give. I'm big lock. It, <laughs> it's not that big. I'm going to give it a seven for believability. No. Oh wow! Well, I can't go that high. Um, I'm not asking you nothing... to. Well, you're all right. Go your own, man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, now I think it's not. Yeah, I mean. It, 
there's not loads of inherently unbelievable things in this. As you say, the elect- electricity thing, I'm not so... Or the, or, so sightings of some kind of creature that's out there, possibly, you know, there's a fact that a load of locals have seen it. Having said that, you know, you, there's all sorts of folklore tales about all sorts of things having been seen at one time or another that, um, that can persist. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that necessarily gives it massive credence, but, you know, at the same time, it's not like massively outlandish, a lot of the details. Um, but, yeah, I don't, so I don't necessarily, you know, some sort of five-foot um, worm-type thing that they haven't found, I suppose it's possible. But, it, yeah, given the lack of evidence, I'm going to have to, I'll give it a maximum, I'll give a four hit. Very low. All right, now, Reach, you can go first. Yeah, um, I'm not imagining this has got particularly big reach, to be honest with you. Again, not surprising I hadn't heard of it. Um, I mean, it does seem to have been going around for quite a while. Um, so I think it's the first time it was a thousand years ago. Um, so obviously it's something that persists in Mongolia and presumably will carry on doing so. Um, so it's something about the persistence of time. But, um, yeah, I can't see it. You know, it's just got a cool name, basically, Mongolian Death Worm. I think that that's what's causing it to get movies made about it and things like that. Um and maybe that's all you need. I don't think the backstory is massively um, something that will um, get people... That'd be on the narrative, though, not it? No, no, I know. But, you know, some, sometimes, the, you know, the backstory can help to sort of get it achieved more of a reach. But, yeah, um, it's been around for quite a while, but it's probably not known that far around outside of Mongolia unless you're looking for it. So it could be another four for me. Four? Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been around 1,000 years. So that's high scoring because of its reach through time um it's i've heard of it before um it's been talked about and in books and stuff you know it's been known in the west for at least 100 years um the film tremors is based on it it's appeared in computer games it's got a movie um i think it's pretty high so i um, you know and considering how long it's been about um, it's going to be an eight for me. Uh, narrative premise. So, um, you know, this is where, because these aren't really stories per se, they're about a certain creature. It's always difficult to score the cryptids on this. Um, you know, it, I guess it's, and, I, and I'll probably be wrong and you can probably read stuff or there's probably stuff about, some kind of creatures or worms that live under the Sahara Desert or something that are really deadly that I haven't heard of. But it seems fairly original. I mean, it's it's been around for ages. Um, so it's got some... So clearly it's kind of got something about it. Um, I mean, I'm going to go... You know, the fact that it's been attributed with being able to shoot electricity kicks it up a notch for me. But... Um, not a huge amount to it, but there doesn't need to be because it's more about something that might exist rather than a tale about whatever. Um, so I'm just going to give it a five straight down the middle. Now, yeah, this is probably one of the stronger ones for me. So I think this this is this is kind of like it's USP. So I think Mongolian Deathworm. That's a great name for a start off. That's what you want. Um, they look kind of like pretty horrifying in some of the paintings and things that people see, like these, you know, red sphincter-looking things with teeth all over the show, and spitting acid at you, firing electrical bolts at you. 
and then exploding bile at you. That's all. That's all good stuff. Um, and you, you can imagine, you know, that'd be that'd be a pretty good tale that you'd be telling around the campfire if you're in sort of like some nomadic region, you know. And then Uncle Ken pass. Well, you know, I'm going to Deathworm Adam. That's why there'll be electrical burns and the. Unfortunately, the Deathworm got him. And the unusual. Unfortunately, the Deathworm got him, so I had to marry all his wives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite a lot. And the fact that they have, you know, I didn't realize they're making a few stuff like that, but the fact that it's, I mean, I think a lot of it sort of is kind of desert. But no, I, I quite like something like popping up out of the desert. It's one of those things like, you know, out of June or out of um, Tremors. I think that's quite a. That's quite a nice little, um, nice little sort of thing to hook a story onto. There's not loads of things you could do on this, but as you know, as Trevor showed, you could make a story out of that. So I'm going to give it, um, I'm going to give it a six. Six. So that gives us an overall score of forty-two, right there in the middle of the bell curve. Yeah. No, too bad. No, too bad at all. Uh, so if you have. Uh, ever encountered a Mongolian deathworm, or know somebody who has, <laughs> or you have any urban got a specimen, got a specimen, maybe um, a baby one. Don't flush it down the toilet. Yeah, New York don't feed it after grow fierce and big. Don't feed it after midnight. Show it to science. Show it to science. Um, <laughs> don't hog it. Um, yeah, you can't be too overprotective because they do need socialising. Uh, yeah. Then, yeah. Please be uh, feel free to get in touch, Neil. What was that email address again? Why well, I believe Chris, that would have been herb.legends.podcast at gmail.com. Oh, that's right, buddy. Um, email in all of your legend needs. Um, cool. Well, that's it for this week. Hope you've enjoyed listening. We'll be back with another urban legend next week. I still haven't got a satisfactory outro hook. But um, maybe for series three, eh? Some of these things take time. You've got to go with where the um, where the muse takes you. I say as well in terms of email. Is. You know, if you've got any good crypto um, currency scams you want us to buy into, <laughs> happy, oh, I actually, have to take a look at that. I actually got. I was looking through my junk. Any NFTs you want to shift on us? We'll we'll, we'll, we'll peruse that. I was looking through my uh, junk folder the other day, and I'd actually got one of the. Um, like well, I thought they'd probably stopped, but clearly not. It was like one of the um, scams of like uh, this. Uh, yeah, you buy into some. No, this woman. This woman is the richest woman in Africa, um, but she needs a bank account Beautiful. to be able to. Yeah, I got one of them. <laughs> I was like, just well. them. It was a four one seven emails or something. Yeah, it was a Nigerian penal code for fraud or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I got one of those. So oh. it's nice to see they're still going. I got my first one of those in the nineties. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, and even then I knew it's it was a scam. King. It's weird that yeah. they've done really well out of it. It's uh, funny well, now, how gullible see, people are. Well, I was reading about this. We might, we might have discussed this previously, actually, but apparently one of the techniques is to have a little bit of believability, but be poorly enough written and all the rest of it that you self-select out um, anyone smart enough to see it as a scam. <laughs> Now this apparently this is part of the technique because you don't want to waste time with somebody who's going to question it or be sceptical. So yeah. actually that actually works to the favour. Anyone who reads that and then still wants to know more, you pretty much know <laughs> you're dealing with somebody who's a bit gullible and, and Lonely. probably not terribly well educated and yeah, and maybe need a bit of hope in their life. So uh, yeah, you've you've got a Which is weird, a, isn't a it? Because yourself and but they're also mark. people are gonna have the least to steal. So it's just a numbers game, isn't it? 
Just well, a maybe, maybe not. Who knows? You could, you still, could be a member know, of the Arab, few, British aristocracy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Fantastic. You think you're going to believe such tales as, well, no, Mrs. I didn't I had a gland removed during the war. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can think we're really thick or you're really thick to think, believe what we'd be thick enough to believe. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and on uh, that uh, beautifully crafted Horror of inbreeding. point about. The dangers of inbreeding. Uh, I'll say goodbye to me, Chris. Goodbye. Yeah.